uh, sharing together in a prayer and accountability group. Uh, a few other guys have been involved over the years, uh, but for the last 15 years we have met on a weekly basis and we have um, shared together, encouraged one another, prayed together, and uh, it has been a, a true blessing for me uh, to be able to share in that friendship and that encouragement uh, that I draw from Harold. Um, not um, too many years ago, uh, my wife and I uh, celebrated a, a very important milestone in our marriage, and um, the minister who had um, had married us had since passed, and so uh, we had a, a special evening, and uh, Harold was gracious enough to join us in the church where we were originally married and he renewed our vows for us and so um, so we have a, a great friendship that has gone back for many years and I uh, continue to pray for my brother and for his healing and uh, I thank you for the opportunity to come and share with you today from God's word if you have your Bibles this morning and I hope that you do uh, if you would turn with me to the New Testament book of Ephesians Ephesians chapter 1 as you're turning there in your Bible, I recently saw a story on the CBS News about a young man. His name was Justin Rozier. His father, Army First Lieutenant Jonathan Rozier, was killed in the line of duty while serving in Iraq when Justin was just nine months old. And so he never met his father. But he longed to have a connection with him. Something that would bring him a greater knowledge and understanding of his father and his relationship. He cherished any and everything he could get that belonged to his father. Anything that he could put his hands on that he knew his father had touched, he had held, he had used. He just cherished those things. And so at about 15 years of age, he began to talk to his mother, Jessica, about the idea that when he became 16 years old and became a, a legal driver, uh, there would nothing would be more to him in his life than to be able to, to own one of his father's previous automobiles. Uh, when Jonathan was killed in Iraq and, and uh, everything happened in the family, they had to sell his family, the car that he had driven. Um, and so uh, his mother, Jessica, began to use social media to try to see if there was any possibility that she could track down one of, of Jonathan's old cars. And so she began to get the make and the model of the automobile. She had some of the vehicle identification numbers. And she began to post those out on social media and ask people to share them. Uh, there was uh, a gentleman, Kyle Fox, in Pleasant Grove, Utah, who picked up this information and he began to share it. And at, at some point then, they found one of the automobiles. And finding the automobile, Kyle Fox thought that wasn't enough. And so he began to raise money. And as he began to raise money, he wanted to buy the car. He wanted to repair the car and then give it to Justin as a gift. And that's exactly what he did. And when he had found the car and he would purchased the car and he had had it uh, redone and, and gone through and everything, he drove it from Utah to Moore, Texas, is where Justin and his mother Jessica lived, and delivered it to him as a gift to him that he might be connected with his father through that automobile. As he sat in the driver's seat, 
The news media was there. And young Justin just did not have words to say. He opened his mouth, but nothing came out. He was just overwhelmed by the connection that he felt sitting in the seat of the, the seat that his father had set in previously. And I thought about that story. And I thought about how we need to long to connect with our father. How we need to have a longing and a, and a desire and a cherishing in our heart for anything that can help us to connect with our heavenly father. To, to strengthen our relationship, to strengthen our connection, to, to strengthen the ties that bind us with Him. And as we look into God's Word today, I believe that God reveals to us that there is a way that we can connect to Him, that He has prepared and planned a way for us. In Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read the first 14 verses. It's a little bit of a lengthy passage. But as I read through it, I want you to listen for the words in Christ or something similar or, or, or sort of like that as I read through this passage. So let's begin together in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself. According to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth, in Him also we have obtained an inheritance, uh, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things to the counsel of His will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also have uh, listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. As we read through that passage, you should have been able to hear or to see 11 references to in Christ or in Him or in the Beloved in some way, shape, or form in those first 14 verses. 35 references in the letter to, to the Ephesians alone. 164 references to that phrase throughout the writing of Paul in the New Testament Scriptures. And so our peace with God, our redemption, our adoption, our blessings, the riches of God's inheritance can only come to us in Christ. 
And we have to understand that our identity, who we are, is, is revealed in Christ as His follower. It is essential that we start from this understanding that everything in our life spiritually, everything in our life as believers is centered around being in Christ. And being in Him transforms and changes our life and makes it new again. So there are three things that I want us to learn about this today. The first one is this, the importance of how we view ourselves in life and in relationships as we are in Christ. The importance of how we view ourselves. If we are in Christ Jesus, I want you to understand this, we are not junk. We are, are not unworthy. We are not valueless. We are not useless. We are loved and adored by the Creator of the universe. That makes us important. That makes us uh, significant in His eyes. We are His workmanship according to God's Word. Created in His image. And so valuable to Him that He has paid the ultimate price for our lives. He sacrificed His Son so that we might become His children. And we are a child of the one true King who is the Creator of the universe. We must believe that about ourselves. We, we must look at our life and understand, I am valued in the eyes of God. I am loved in the eyes of God. I am cherished in the eyes of God. I am so significant to Him that He would send His only Son to die in my place. He would make that sacrifice for me. That makes me somebody. That makes me significant in His eyes. And if we don't begin with that mentality, if we don't start with that thought about our lives, then we are starting in a deficit in regards to how we live a Spirit-filled life and how we live in our relationship with the Father and how we live in our relationship with the others. It is so important that you and I understand that we are His and He loves us and He cares for us and He values us. We are important and significant to the Creator of the universe. The second thing this morning is I want us to see that our life and relationships should be filled with grace and mercy. We've sung about those two words a lot this morning. Uh, throughout the songs that we've shared, I, I've heard those words grace and mercy a number of different times. And as we begin to think about the idea of grace and mercy, if God were not gracious, we would have no hope. If it was not for the grace of God, we would have no hope. God's grace is coupled with our peace. Grace is what God bestows. Peace is the result for those who receive His grace. And so when I believe that I'm valued in the eyes of God, when I believe that, that He cares for me, He loves me, He pursues me, He desires to meet the needs of my life, and I receive His grace and forgiveness, then He promises that there will be peace in my life. And that peace can only come from our being in Christ. If we're not in Him, we can't have peace with God. In fact, the Scripture says that we are an enemy of God until we are in Christ and receive that peace of that relationship. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Listen to what he writes there. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are at peace with God when we are in Christ, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. His grace allows us to live at peace with Him. And if it was not for His grace, we could not live at peace with Him. And we exalt in hope of our glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. Knowing that our tribulations bring about perseverance. And perseverance proven character. And proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Did you hear the connection? Justin was longing for a connection with his father. Anything he could put his hands on. He desired to sit in the driver's seat that his father had sat in. So that he could have that connection. And God looked at us and said, you are my children. And I want you to have a connection with your father. And so he says, I have poured out my love within your hearts through the Holy Spirit. Who was what? Given to us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. In order that the Holy Spirit becomes our connection to the Father. That that we can know and have a, a relationship with Him that He intends for us to have. That we can live in hope. That we can live in peace. That we can live in, in unity and harmony with the Father and with other believers because of His grace and His mercy. I want to talk about grace and mercy for just a moment this morning. Because I think oftentimes we, we kind of interchange those words and they're not interchangeable. Oftentimes we, we spout those words, God's grace and mercy, God's grace and mercy. I think many times we don't understand what they really, really mean to our lives. And so in Matthew chapter 18, there's a great story. I'm not going to read the story for the sake of time this morning. It's a story about a, a master. And, and he had a servant who owed him, uh, owed him a great sum of money. And he calls the servant in and he says to the servant, Hey, listen, you owe me all this money. You haven't paid the money. I'm going to cast you into prison. And, and now prison wasn't what we think about as prison today. Basically, it was a work camp. And you're going to work and, and you're going to do everything you can to pay this back through being in prison, that you're going to become a slave in, in order to, to work off the debt that you owe. You're going to sell everything that you own. We're going to take your family as slaves, your wife, your children, and they're going to provide so that your debt can be paid back. This servant just begins to beg. He begins to plead with the master. And he says, if you'll give me time, I'll pay it back. I'll do everything that I can. I'll, I'll work, I'll do, but I'll pay it back. Please don't do this. The scripture says that the master filled with compassion for the servant. This is what he did. He, he didn't throw him into prison. That's mercy. Mercy is when we don't receive what we should have received. And that's what he should have received by law and, and by the agreement that he had made when he borrowed the money and he owed the money. He said, you should go to prison. But the master said, I'm not going to throw you in prison. That's mercy. When we don't receive what we should have received, that's mercy. And then the master goes a step further and he shows grace. Because he says, I'm going to forgive the debt. That's when we receive what we don't deserve. He didn't deserve that. But by grace, the master gave him the freedom not to pay the debt. And so grace is when we receive what we do not deserve. Mercy is when we don't receive what we do deserve. And this story in Matthew chapter 18, the master shows grace and mercy to his servant. Now, if you know anything about the story, 
the servant goes out and finds another servant that owes him a little bit of money. And he is not willing to show grace and mercy. In fact, he has that servant thrown into prison until he can pay the debt that he owes him. Even though it's a small, small debt compared to what he owed. And so some people see this, they know it, and they go back to the master and they say, Hey, remember that servant that you showed grace and mercy to? That, that not only did you not throw him in prison, but you forgave the debt and you showed mercy and grace. Yeah. He said, listen to what he did. And so they told him the story. And so the master calls the servant back in. And this is what he says. And I think this is so significant for you and I today. As we live a spirit-filled life, an example for others of living for Christ Jesus. He said, you received grace and mercy. Should you not have shown grace and mercy? You and I have received grace and mercy. We've received the forgiveness of God through the love of God. Through the sacrifice of Christ Jesus. And through the, the giving of His Son for us. And then the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. To bring us the love of God. And He says that in our relationships. We should show grace and mercy to others. That, that we don't give people what they deserve. We give them what they don't deserve. We give them forgiveness. We give them love. We give them compassion. We give them understanding. If you've received grace and mercy, he says, then shouldn't we also give grace and mercy? Shouldn't be willing to, to give of ourselves to others because of what God has blessed us with in our lives. So third and final thing I want us to learn today, and that's this. What does the image of a spirit-filled life look like? And so he goes on in Ephesians chapter 5. And he begins to talk about this. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. In other words, live your life looking like Him. And so he calls us, if He has extended grace and mercy and forgiveness to us out of His love, then we are to extend grace and mercy and forgiveness to others out of His love. Be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love just as Christ also loved you. And gave himself up for us, an offering, a sacrifice to God, a fragrant aroma. But, he says, listen, you and I have to understand, while grace and mercy and love and the forgiveness of God is a wonderful thing, he calls us to live a different life than the rest of the world. And so he begins to define what that image looks like. And listen to what he says, but immorality or any impurity... Greed must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. And there must be no filthiness, no silly talk, or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater, in other words, worships the things of this world rather than God, the creator of this world, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Did you hear that? He says, if you are living a life and you are being immoral or impure or covetous or an idolater of the things of this world, you do not have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. We can't be a part of the family of God. We can't be His children and we can't have an inheritance if we live that way. So love and grace and mercy and forgiveness, they're wonderful things. But he says, I expect something out of you because of that. I expect you to live a certain lifestyle and live in a certain way. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. 
Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness. Do you hear this? Listen to what he says. You were formerly darkness. I think Jeff sang about that this morning, didn't he? Been in the darkness and running out of the grave into a new day. He sang about that. Janet and Ariel sang about that this morning. I got saved because of the mercy of God and the love of God and the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. I got saved. And he says, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Live my spirit-filled life. I live as children of light. For the fruit of the light is, uh, consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. You hear that? I, I, I ought to desire to know what is pleasing to the Lord. I ought to pursue that and seek that in my life. Do not participate, he says, in unfruitful deeds of darkness. But instead, even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they're exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The light shining on us. Everything that is exposed by the light becomes visible when it's exposed by the light. Therefore... Always ask yourself the question, when I see the word therefore, what's it there for? Therefore is referring back to all of these things that he's just talked about. And he says, therefore, because of this, everything that I've just said, he says this, be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise. Making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another. You see the transition? He says, I've given you grace and mercy, love and forgiveness. Now extend it to others. And so this is what he says. He says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to God even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. He says that we are to extend grace and mercy, love and forgiveness, because we've received it. We are to be imitators of God as beloved children. We desire to be just like Him in our relationship as we connect with the Father and our relationship as we connect with others. But it all begins by our being in Christ. In Him, in His grace, in His mercy, in His love, and in His forgiveness. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. We thank You for forgiveness and Your love. And we thank You for the Holy Spirit that You put in our lives to help us to be followers of you, imitators of you, as we live a spirit-filled life in this world. Bless us today. Help us to be your children as you've called us to be. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.